Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. To the Osher Ginsberg podcast, I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is a super special holiday edition of the show. Over the next few weeks, I'll probably run some reruns uh, from stuff that you've heard before. If you are new to the show, you may not have heard it. Some stuff from the older part of the catalog uh, that you might not be able to access anymore. I'm going to get some of those out um, because I'm getting married and I'm going to do that thing when you get married and you just kind of spend time with your wife. Um, That's what I'll be doing. Uh, So in the next few weeks, uh, I encourage you to actually put your phone down and just kind of do some living without your phone in your hand. I'm going where there's no reception and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I did it last year, took my phone, put it away. I read four books in two weeks. It was absolutely brilliant. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Um, But I wanted to bring this episode to you because, yeah, you've probably got some time off. You're probably looking for a podcast to listen to and you've probably got a fancy new phone or a fancy old phone or just you want some escaping from whatever's happening. Uh, So I'm actually going to bring you this. This is an episode that has only formally existed and only formally been available to uh, Patreon subscribers. So this is kind of giving you a taste of the kind of exclusive episodes that you get when you do support the show pretty simple to do so patreon.com slash osher just go there p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash osher just go there for as little as five bucks a month you can help make this show come to air i need these days because of uh fortune shining upon me and uh me being busy i actually need an audio producer to help me 
I get the shows out each and every week, and that is Andy Marr. Get your podcasts edited by andymarr.com. He's awesome. So, yeah, Andy uh, is uh, taking some time off as well. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I'm only able to pay Andy and bring you the show because of Patreon. So if you like the sound of this episode, if you want to hear more exclusive episodes like this and access to an exclusive update feed, which I'm aiming to do more check-ins um, than I normally do each week, so more than once a week check-ins from that exclusive uh, podcast feed only available to Patreon subscribers. This is an extra episode with the wonderful Dr. Carl Kruzelnitsky. Australian listeners will know and British listeners will know that he is the voice on the radio that has all the answers to all the questions. I was so grateful to have an opportunity to speak with Carl at the publication of his 40th book, The Doctor. Uh, You can get that book now wherever you buy books. Went to Carl's house. He lives uh, south uh, in the southeastern beaches of, of Sydney, Australia. Uh, he has a completely incredible house. He was so excited to show me his solar system. He was so excited to show me his water system. He's got a big water tank underneath his house. He's UV purification. He's got this incredible workshop. You can imagine there's drill presses and soldering irons and like, it's freaking amazing. Yeah. After we chatted, he honestly ran me around the house for about 10 minutes and just going, oh, 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 look at this. Look what I built here. It's just he's hacked the whole thing. Uh, The one thing that I really enjoyed about his house is that all the clusters of appliances. So, for example, his toaster blender, microwave and TV, Foxtel box or whatever, all that stuff. There's one master switch for it all because as a solar power user, he's very aware of the, the drawing of current from even applications and appliances on standby so yeah he just flicks one switch and everything turns off amazing gets pretty nerdy gets pretty great he's a lovely human being um he's a a great guy to listen to and a great perspective on the planet uh, we need more people like dr carl in the in the world and um i certainly hope this inspires you or someone in your life to follow a path of curiosity because that's ultimately what he's got that I just love being around his curiosity when he doesn't, he's actually more excited when he doesn't know something. And that I think is a quality that we could all do a little bit more of in our lives rather than going, well, fuck, I, know what, I know what that is. Fuck, yeah, of course I know what that is. Just be like, Oh, what is that? I don't know that yet. Tell me what that is. He's so excited when he doesn't know something because he's just so excited about life. And I think that's what I, I certainly got out of this day with the wonderful Dr. Carl. Thank you so much for supporting the show without your support. This entire year of 2016 wouldn't have happened. So thank you very much. And to me to say thank you, here is a conversation that only you will hear because you are supporting the show. This is you and me and Dr. Carl in Dr. Carl's kitchen on a lovely, lovely Friday morning. How are you, Carl? Uh, very good, Dr. Osher. Asher, Osher. Osher. O-S-H-E-R. Hebrew for happiness. How long? How old is that name? How old is it? Yeah, it was the first recorded writing of it. Oh, I couldn't probably a long time ago. Thousands? Easily. Somebody was calling their baby happiness. Yeah. Oh. No, no. And you kept but on I've only tradition. had it for a couple of years. I changed it, if you recall. To Osher. It was Andrew. From, uh, and I changed it to Osher. Because you want to be happy. Uh, yeah, at the time there was a lot of that going on and also nominative determinism is a very interesting thing. Well, it's a coincidence, but it's fun. It's a what? It's a coincidence. Well, well, it didn't start off as a coincidence. How's that? Didn't you read this in my fourth book? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, you're over 20 now. So. 40. Over 40. I've just finished book number 40. Book so number 40. Um, what happened was a study found that people who are called Smith, which means blacksmith, big mm-hmm. burly fellow, in Germany, um, on average they were one kilogram heavier than people called Schneider, German word meaning tailor. Now think about the build. Big, burly person, whereas somebody who'll sit there cross-legged, you know, Mm. sewing delicately. And back about 600 years ago, at least in Western Europe, people had only one name. You were John. You know, if you had two, three or John or Andrews in in the village, it was no big deal. There was Big John or Little John or Mm -hmm. whatever. But then the government wanted to start taxing people. And you couldn't say, no, that's the John that owes you the tax. So they started naming people after their jobs. Ah. So with regard to, for example... Working with arrows, bows and arrows. Oh, my God, there was Fletcher and uh-huh. Arrow and Arrowsmith. Fletcher is the little um, feathers that are on the tail. Bowsmith, Bowman, Bow, etc. And so Blacksmith and Schneider got their names. And well, hence there is some degree of nominative determinism back then, which even over the generations from 600 years ago has held through today. But um, in general, there's not that much. Well, it worked for me, so, but I'm a sample size of one. And you did with your sir, with your, with your first name, not, not your last name. That's correct. Okay, right. Okay. So tell me, let's get it. Let's get straight to it. Tell me mm. about this new book. Ah, uh, book, book. This is book number forty. Fantastic. Um, and it's got a couple of things in it you should know. Like I figured you should know about gravitational waves because they could give us the hoverboard. We've just found these things. The gravitational waves. Yeah. Yeah. One and a half. 1.4 billion light years ago, 1.4 billion light years away, two black holes, about 30 masses of the sun, each slammed into each other and made a bigger black hole, which was three times the mass of the sun lighter than the original two put together. In the instant of collision, they were travelling towards each other at half the speed of light and... And here comes a coffee break. <laughs> There's, I will say there, there is something about the smell of a gas stove mixed with the salt air from the sea and the whistling of a kettle that makes me feel immediately cosy. Oh, home is where the heart is. Yeah. Okay, so we're boiling, we're, we've boiled the water. Pre-boil the water. Pre-boil the water. So that it's hot when it goes into the atomic coffee maker. Yeah. And this is an old machine, which nowadays are about $1,000, but I bought a couple of them for 30 bucks way back when. This is an ye, ye oldie espresso maker that it looks like a, almost like an old telephone where the rotary dial was on the bottom of the phone yeah. and the hand, the receiver was at your ear. Okay, so that's now running. And so you heat up the water and here we come back again. And so it's going to express. So it'll um, heat up the water, which is already hot at 100 degrees C, but it's lost some of its temperature and heat energy into warming up the aluminium or aluminium, as the Americans foppishly call it. And then the water will turn into steam and the steam will force its way through the coffee, extracting some of the delicious coffee goodness, which proves that God exists, but that's another story. Moving right along back to the um, uh, black holes colliding. So... They're orbiting each other, these black holes, at 75 times a second. And in the moment of collision, they're getting closer, they are travelling at half the speed of light. These are not light, inconsequential sewing machine parts. These are things, each of them, about 30 times the mass of the sun. And when they hit and they 
give off energy. They, they evaporate away three times the mass of the sun in some incredibly small moment of time. They put out 50 times more energy than all the stars in the entire known universe put together for that brief instant. That's a, a lot. A lot. If you were right there at the side, at the side it would have stretched your body and compressed it. And so you would have gone from two metres tall to four metres tall, then half a metre tall, um, as, as the very fabric of space-time distorted. Wow. Now, we've got to talk about the fabric of space-time. So you've got the three space dimensions, which are backwards, forwards, left, right, and up, down. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the other dimension, which is time, which ticks along at one second per second. And according to Einstein, and nobody's ever proved him wrong, um, he... They are in, intricately welded and webbed together. They are interwoven so tightly. They're all a single unit. And think about the rubber sheet, and you've got a bowling ball on the rubber sheet, um, and it makes a dent. And you squirt a marble onto that rubber sheet, and the marble would have gone into a straight line, but because of the, mar- uh, the big bowling ball making a dent, it curves around. Well, that's the Earth curving around the sun. So all these things, we were talking about a fabric of space-time having a dent in it. So I'll give you a, a great insight now in three words, which took me years to learn. Gravity is geometry. So if you've got a dent in the fabric of space-time, that's gravity. Mm-hmm. That's what gravity... And how do you make a dent? Well, normally by piling a whole lot of mass together, but more, more on that at the end of this little story. And so <laughs> the um, ripple then spreads out in all directions, and by the time it gets to us, it's able to create a change in length across four kilometres of one thousandth of the diameter of a proton, which is some incredibly small fraction of a nucleus, which is one ten thousandth of the diameter of an atom. And we humans can measure that. Wow. We humans can measure, in fact, one tenth of the diameter of a proton, a change of that much. And to do that, we had to invent special technologies. The whole thing took a century. It was a grand endeavour by us humans. It took a century to come up with the idea with Einstein. He then worried whether he was right or wrong. And then further down the line, he said, OK, I'm right. And other people said, he said, you'll never be able to prove it, maybe. And then finally, you need somebody as brilliant as Richard Feynman to come up with his sticky bead experiment and say, yeah, theoretically, you could measure it. And then it took another 40 years to actually measure it, and we've got it. And so the gravitational wave ripples through the Earth. And, and, and to do it, the scientists at CSIRO were the only ones, the scientists at Linfield, they were the only ones who could get a 40-kilogram mirror and make it and treat it like a quantum device. In other words, something lighter than a proton. Bugger. And you know how we reward them? We fire them. That's what CSIRO is happening at the moment. This is the Australian Science Research Commonwealth Scientific Industrial Research Organisation, currently run by an entrepreneur from California, an ex-Australian, who accepts the inverted commas science of water dowsing and under his watch has fired one quarter of the scientists at CSIRO. Oh. Right. Um, it's a shame, <laughs> but you, you get a hangman and, and they hang people. Right. That, that's what... Anyway, so moving right along. So what we have done is now prove that we can measure gravitational waves. The next step is obvious. Make gravitational waves. Uh Uh-huh. We've got no idea. The only way we can... So firstly, to make gravity, Mm -hmm. you just pile a whole lot of matter together and it makes a dent in the fabric of space-time. And then if you want to make a gravitational wave, you then move that dent in the fabric of space-time. Awfully cumbersome thing... Our children and their children will work out a way Mm -hmm. to make gravitational wave and then finally, 
the great moral issue of all times will be resolved. When will we have the hoverboard? Right. Because then we can float on a hoverboard. Then we can float. Once and, we, can, we can surf the gravitational wave. Yeah, and, but this happened on the 14th of September. You know what happened on the 14th of September also? Uh, the ex-Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, got booted out uh, in the background. Ah. I'm hearing the coffee. Uh, keep them happy. This so, is, uh, so this is water changing state yeah. into so steam. Yeah. And it's forced its way through. So what we've done now is we've created a fissure in the coffee goodness. So what you've got here is the um, uh, best coffee. Oh, that smells so good. But the, the stuff coming through is water. It's not here. It's forced its way through a fissure. It's created a fissure. And I'm not going to drink that low-grade coffee. Ah, oh, I see. Right. I'm having the first flush. <laughs> and so there's stories in the book um, about, here we go, you're not having any? Already no, I've, I'm, I'm already well caffeinated, thank you. I know enough about coffee to know that... <coughs> too much can be bad. Too much can be bad. Definitely. And I spend all this time and deal with all these side effects of taking all this medication. Why do I want to fight this medication What's with caffeine? Ah, although... Um, Going to caffeine, putting that on level two of the nested conversation structure I have mapped out in my mind, mm -hmm. but going back to level one, Tony Abbott got booted out yes. on the 14th of September. Uh -huh. And on that day, the gravitational waves rippled through Earth. Guess what was the name of the first three authors of that scientific paper? Abbott, Abbott and Abbott. Really? Not a coincidence. Like, I mean, there's 24... Hours in a day and 24 cans in a slab of beer is not a coincidence. Wow. Right. And so one of them was um, uh, Tony, it was, it was Tony D, Don, instead of John. I reckon <laughs> that the Prime Minister is actually a very high-level scientist who always wanted to do science <laughs> and got out of politics deliberately so he could go back to his love and he's just pretending to be doing whatever he's doing. Why do you like writing books? Because there's this wonderful stuff that the scientists do and it's just so funny. When I found out that the first three authors of the paper were Abbott, Abbott and Abbott <laughs> and that we could get a hoverboard out of it further down the line, I had to do it. Now we go back down a level to coffee. Coffee is good for the following things in, firstly, improving your life expectancy and if you've got liver disease, slowing down the progress of it, whether it's cirrhosis or um, liver cancer and uh, helping you with diabetes, if you've got diabetes. So if, if, if diabetes, if everybody in diabetes formed a nation, they'd be number three in the whole world after wow, India and China. That's huge. And it's good for prostate cancer, which being men, both you and I will have when we die. Whether we die of that or something else is different. Most certainly, on average, something else will kill us. But, um, and also uh, heart disease. So now let me just back off from that statement. Having filled you with the desire that we should add this wondrous chemical to our drinking water. <laughs> uh, we've got enough problems to it. Because of the, the, the problem is that all of the studies are observational studies. And let me just explain. Um, an observational study is like fishing. You go looking. And so you might have the famous nurses study where you get half a million nurses and you look at them for three decades and you see what their shoe size is and what they eat and what colour the clothes they wear and who they're married and yeah, everything you can. And then you look at the correlations that pop up later and it's from observational studies like this that we actually have these indications about coffee. But 
there are faults with those because often you get false correlations. Like there's a really good correlation between the movies that Nick Cage does and drownings in American swimming pools. Wow. Margarine consumption in the state of Maine and the US divorce rate. And finally, a really good correlation, excellent correlation between the consumption of mozzarella cheese and um, the number of PhDs graduating in engineering. That, that makes sense because engineers live off pizza. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that one. Right. So what you need is a study where you say, okay, we're going to look really carefully at does co- uh, coffee at four cups a day give you your best possible outcome with regard to heart disease and we'll spend 10 years with a large sample size. That's the next stage we need to go to. But it turns out that you can use coffee to prove the existence of God. And how's that? Because there is stuff in coffee called caffeine and it has a certain chemical formula and it is a vasoconstrictor. It closes your blood vessels. <coughs> cough, cough, cough. And then, <coughs> cough, cough, cough. Then there's a wondrous chemical in chocolate called theobromine. Theo as in theology, bromine, drink of the gods. And it has almost the same structure, but it's a vasodilator. Mm. One closes your blood. One is 137-trimethyl-xanthine, whatever that is. And the other one is 3,7-dimethyl. I just lost the methyl group, xanthine. And one closes your blood vessels and one opens them. So that, that is firstly proof that um, there is a God. And secondly, if she exists, she wants you to have chocolate whenever you have coffee. That's extraordinarily good. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So, so my book has got stuff you should know, like gravitational waves. And also there's one about the Bitcoin, which is fairly complicated. And you should know it because it's really going to be subversive yeah. over the next couple of decades. And then there's lots, lots of fun stuff after that, like why the noise level goes up at a party when people have been drinking for a bit or why um, a dog tilts its head when it's looking at you. <laughs> I often wonder that. Okay, look, make a nose. So can you describe yeah. me? So we've made a nose and it's right in front. Holding a fist in front of my nose. Yeah, and suddenly I can't see Osher's mouth no. until I tilt my head. And then so we've, we've made our, ourselves noses with our or snaps with our fist. Yeah. And so the dog tilts his head to be able to see you oh. and then that way know whether you're friendly. Now, this, this is a weak theory and I point out how weak it is, trying to give both sides of the story, but that's the short snappy version for the um, Facebook feed for people with a short attention span. Oh, I like it. Tell me, as somebody who looks at the world through the eyes of science, what the last few days of uh, the history of the world looks like to uh, you? With uh, Mr Trump becoming president? Yes, sir. Um, He seems to run entirely in his statements so far on non-science. So he has declared that global warming is a Chinese conspiracy designed to make the Americans bankrupt, that LED lights cause cancer, that uh, vaccines um, cause autism and similar. Um, Will he step up to the plate and rise to the position of president? and become a better person, only time will tell. Right. Uh, what's going to happen with science? Um, I, I, I am sorry to say, I, I kind of think, but I hope not, that we'll go backwards with climate science. And by the way, the science was established in 1988. There is no doubt. When people say, oh, we're still having the debate, it's like saying, let's have the debate about whether the sky is blue mm. or whether the earth is flat. Um, there is no debate. The science was settled a long time ago. Yeah. Like when NASA launches a spacecraft, like the Juno spacecraft, off to Jupiter to go around Jupiter. Do we have equal time 
to the person who says, stop right there, the earth is flat, and God put an alabaster dome over the earth, sort of a bluish one, and then at night he paints it black and puts glowworms up there to look like stars and then makes them move around. Do we give equal time to that person? No. There are some arguments that have only one side. So when it comes to how Donald Trump became the president, when it comes to the the science, if you will, of uh, opinion polls being so wrong and uh, large amounts of people, uh, you know, being inspired by mm. cynicism towards, you know, any kind of change or modern change. Um, I'm looking at it from a straight factual point of view. And the first one is that for the middle class in America, real wages have gone up by only 5% from 1969. That's not From just under $20 to just around $21. Mm-hmm. In the interim, since 1969, that's a long time ago, um, toys like TVs have got cheaper, but stuff that's important like education and housing and health have gone up by thousands of percent. And so you have these people who accurately and correctly think that they've been hard done by. They've missed out. The ship has come into port, but they haven't got any of the lollies, any of the goodies. I've written about this in my 36th book called The 1%, and that was related to the Pareto, you know, Wilfredo Pareto and the 80-20 law. Um, He came out with this idea. He was brilliant guy in the early 1900s, engineer, poet, mathematician, sculptor, economist. And he looked at various numbers from countries around the world and he realised that in general about 20% of the population were wealthier. They had 80% of the wealth. Uh, 20% had 80% of the money. But providing you had good housing, education, legal system... Um, medical, it didn't really matter. Like, it doesn't matter if you've got two bicycles and I've got one, so long as we can both send our kids to school, so long as we can both get a broken arm fixed, and if something bad happens, we can call the legal system to help us. But it's been going away from that 80-20. He also found that if you have a revolution and kill those 20%, well, another 20% come in to take their place. Ah. It's sort of like a, not natural, but it seems to be the way uh, an out come in a result of how our societies are formed. So you take it to the next level and in January 2014, and this inspired me to write the story, um, in January 2014 it took 85 billionaires to have the combined wealth of the bottom half of the planet, the bottom three and a half billion people. Two months later, on the 20th of March 2014, according to Oxfam, it had dropped to 67 It's like two buses. So two buses of people had the wealth of the the entire bottom half of the planet and it was getting more and more was going from the poor to the wealthy. And I think that is part of what drove the anger that got Donald Trump into office. Mind you, he was not one of them. They didn't quite see that. Mm. But he had the advantage of being charismatic and totally honest in the sense that he would say whatever came into his head. So he was honest in that whatever he was saying at the time, whatever he was thinking, he'd just think it. God, you're handsome, Osha. Oh, no, you look ugly. No, the light's not looking good on you. You know, he'd say all of these things. He would say contradictory things. There are several of his speeches where 
he would have made more sense if he just breathed heavily into the microphone because <laughs> by the end of the little speech, he had said things that were contradictory and so you knew less yeah. about him than when you started. Yeah. So um, I am fearful that we are delaying what we need to do about climate change because it's a big one. Um, and who knows, he could well do a Mugabe and have himself declared glorious president for life of the United States and live there till he's 97. Well, that would be something. In that case, you, yeah, yeah. So I'm just worried about the big climate change things that are coming through that are going to get more expensive. Like if you include the positive feedback loops, we're looking at an ocean level rise of five to eight metres by the end of the century. So a positive feedback loop is that all the ice in the Arctic melts. Suddenly, instead of having white reflective ice uh, reflecting the heat back from 2% of the Earth's surface, you've got black water which absorbs it, mm. uh, which then absorbs more heat because it's black. So it, it goes on a runaway feedback effect. Um, another example is the permafrost with the methane. Let me give you the permafrost and methane. It's a better one. So on the way down, you've got lots of ice, but once some of the ice starts to melt, it creates more black water, which then melts more ice, which creates more black water, which is hot, which melts the ice. And it's so like on stage where the singer sings in the microphone, the noise goes into the amplifier through the speaker. If they then put the microphone up against the speaker and then walk away, you have this loop where the sound goes microphone, amplifier, speaker, and straight back into the microphone again. The speaker can go to Mars, the, sorry, the entertainer can go to Mars, and it just gets louder and louder, and you get this... So we've got these various positive feedback loops, and one is the methane coming out of the permafrost, which I wrote about in my 36 book. These are all things that we can fix. Three messages of hope. Number one, if we wanted to, we could fix it in 10 years. We, with regard to electricity being made by burning carbon. We could get entirely from renewables within 10 years. Already there is uh, one of the Canary Islands has been running entirely off two of the 15 renewables for um, two years. They do have diesel generators, which they switch on on the first Sunday of every month just to make sure they still work and they switch them off half an hour later. But it really doesn't look like they're ever going to use them again. Uh, but they're good as a... You need Solar and wind? No, wind and hydro. Wind and hydro. They, they, you see, there's 15 renewables and you, you use what's local and you have to sort of go into a grid with uh, other countries. In this case, they don't need to. And so uh, the, the wind gives them electricity, which either makes electricity directly or powers pumps, which pumps seawater into a convenient extinct volcano. When the wind dies down, which has only happened a few times, the water runs downhill and runs the turbines and they just don't need the diesel at all. When So... The example I give here with regard to beating climate change is uh, the 7th of December, 1941, Pearl Harbour. Yes. Within nine months, the number of cars made in America for the domestic market was zero. And they've gone entirely over to a war economy. So there's only political will stopping us uh -huh. from going entirely renewable with our electricity. So we can do that. We, we can cut back on enormously on the amount of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere. Mm. And we can even start sucking some of it back because we have to because of the ocean acidification. You mentioned three beacons of hope. Second one is that the kids are smarter than we are. I wrote about that in my second last book. By nine IQ points every generation. And that is the Flynn effect. First noticed by a bunch of people over the years, psychologists looking at IQ tests and thinking, why do we have to keep on making the IQ tests harder 
all the time. And various people looked at it, but Flynn was the guy who did the big work. And his major paper is where he looks at American military IQ results. 1932, tens of millions of people Mm -hmm. have passed through into the American military, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, you name it, everything. And they did IQ tests and we've worked our way through various iterations and it's quite clear that this is happening in America and in every other country in the world where we can do IQ tests on kids. Nine IQ points every generation. Now, it's a little bit more fuzzy than that because there's not just one single test that measures your IQ. So there might be the mathematical test, but then there might be the geometry test Mm. and there might be the word association. So smartphone is to eggshell as crumulant is to... And we'll leave that as an exercise for the audience to work out because the answer is just so obvious. I mean, it's just so obvious. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. And so there's all these different things that make up the uh, IQ test, but that's what we're seeing nine IQ points every century, mm. every, every generation. So we can fix the problem and the next generation coming through are smarter. Third uh, lesson of hope, we are living in the most peaceful time ever in the history of the human race. Mm. This is an interesting one, isn't yeah, it? A lot of people think and are walking around being terrified because every night on the telly they're seeing things explode and and people on the internet killing each other and car crashes online and all kinds of things, we're kind of given this idea that the world's falling apart and everything's dangerous. But what was it, the book, The Better Angels of Our Nature? By Stephen Pinker. The Better Angels of Our Nature by Stephen Pinker. And um, he looks at the big scale and the small scale. And as an example of the big scale, people say, oh, the Second World War, which was a world war, where you ended up with some poor guy from North Korea ending up being captured by the Japanese, then the Russians, then the Germans and the British and ending up in England. (laughs) And he doesn't even speak Japanese, Russian, German, French or English. So you think, okay, it's a world war, kills a lot of people. So if you run back um, in 742 AD, 745, to put down the An Lushan Revolt, the Chinese emperor killed one in every six humans alive on the planet. One in every six. That's extraordinary. Genghis Khan, one in every nine. Second World War, one in every 44. So that's the big scale. The small scale, um, there's been massive drops in murder, slavery, torture. There's only one nation left on earth where it is legal to torture somebody and then use that torture, that, that, that confession, uh, to convict them. And um, everything is getting better. Oh, there's bumps, of course, because it's a complex system. Um, and the reason that we all think it's bad is because of commercial media, which I used to work in. I still work in every now and then. And I'd like to apologise, but I still do it. Uh, and they have this wonderful med- motto, if it bleeds, it leads. Yes. If somebody gives a donation of books to a library or there's a car accident at that library, the car accident makes it into the news. Yeah. Three messages of hope. We can fix global warming. You are smarter, kiddies, and um, we are living in the most peaceful time ever. Uh, these things make me, make me hopeful. Mm. Uh, I won't lie. After you and I spoke last time uh, at your beautiful office there at the university, um, oh, it was such a sobering reminder of, of climate change and the effects of climate change. It did send me a bit off the rails for a little while, and I was, it was, I was actually quite – became a big trigger for me. Mm. How do you, as someone who looks at the world and sees – or how do you look at your family, look at kids walking around? How do you look at the future and not just despair? By trying to make it better, of course. 
by talking to you and talking to anybody and sticking to the facts. Uh, if the facts say we're doomed, I would uh, get a bit depressed. Yes, I would. But uh, we can get out of it. All we need is the political will. And so um, I had a bit of a major change when some students came down from the Gold Coast to talk to me and they said, but what can we do? And I didn't know anything. And then said I came up with the idea, so I sent them the video uh, to finish it off and the answer was run for politics. Uh, what's his name? Uh, LBJ said... You're better off, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, mm -hmm. uh, President of the United States after Kennedy died. 30, I can't remember which one. He was one of the number 30-something. 30, 30, he was in the 30s. Yeah. So um, no, not, uh, he was in the 30s of presidents, but 1960. Like 39 or 40 presidents. Yeah. But in, in, in the 1960s, definitely. Yeah. And he said, you're better off on the inside of the tent pissing out than on the outside of the tent pissing in. And so the answer is this. In some parts of the world, power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. But in Australia and the USA and various other countries, it grows out of the politics. Become a politician, guys. And you, you might not like it and people will go at you and tell you all sorts of lies about you, but you have a chance to do good for the future. You go for it um, Yes, leaving me with a big fat debt, which I'm still paying off. But out of the 782,000 votes I needed to become a federal senator, I got 42,000 votes under the line, which apparently is a record. Slightly more than, uh, I believe there was a senator recently who got into the Senate, not 782,000 votes, but 77. Not 77,000, 77, and you exclude the vote that he did for himself. That was 76 other people voted for him. And with 76 people got into our Senate? In the se Ma senator Malcolm Roberts got in on 77 votes. 77 people voted for him and he is now a senator. Okay then, so I, I, I can... I'm inviting. <laughs> my, I'm getting married soon. There's at least Get everybody to vote there. for you. Yeah, I could. You got to do preferences as well. Ah, that's the part of it. So, do you see politics changing as we go forward? Like I saw that today, Maine have just Maine in North Eastern North America. Ah, they're going for the preference system. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You saw that today. They've just gone for the preference system. Do you see our, our politics changing in in this country along with? You know, as we get more connected as people um, and we're using a system that was designed for uh, when we had horses and carriages carrying messages up and down the east coast of Australia or possibly even mm. ad ad adapted when we had rail travel. Ooh, it only takes four days to get this message from Adelaide to Melbourne. Um, do you see our electoral system changing as we become more and more connected? What I would like would be a system where you could vote the intensity of your feeling. Oh. So you would have, say, a 1,000 votes to use over a 
10-year period on council, state and federal issues. And you could blow them all in one go or save them up till the end. Um, <laughs> it'd be horrendously complicated. But things are changing. Like, I'm very happy with the way they're going. Like, we are getting more peaceful. I love that. Um, the kids are getting smarter. I love that. Climate change, we can't fix that. We just need the political will. Um, and journalism is changing. Journalism used to have this wonderful investigative journalism built on selling stuff in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. So the newspapers could afford to fund the investigative journalism by the classified ads. The model is changing into something else that's in transition and I really hope and I have no proof for it but I'm quietly confident that we will end up with a situation where we'll be able to have journalism under the new model, whatever that is. Uh Now at the moment, several of the electronic news promulgation outlets do not pay the people who write the journalism for them, saying, oh, you'll get the exposure. Well, it's difficult to buy a cup of coffee with some exposure. Yeah. Um, and I'm, hoping, I'm, I'm just quietly confident that it'll change for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the people coming through now, like my kids, have got such a high, much higher emotional IQ than I ever had. They're way ahead of me. I'm right. very happy with it. When it comes to journalism and particularly any kind of... Um, uh, you know, observing any new fact that comes to you. I'm, I'm just thinking about uh, Trump sitting down with his, you know, chief science officers trying to tell him about why the Hoover Dam is so low and what's <laughs> going to happen to, uh, you know, farming in California and food security in, in North America. Yeah. Um, what, are some, what are some of the more common biases that we need to look out for? I was thinking, for example, about um, primacy bias and the sunk cost bias to, to, to start with, about when we're observing... Um, you know, we've invested so much money in this fossil fuel industry. Let's just keep going because we've invested so much money in it, uh, even though it's scientifically proven that it's bad for us. It was proven back in 1988 that the fossil fuel industry is heating up the world. And really the best thing for the fossil fuel companies to do would be to switch over to being energy companies which sell energy not by burning carbon but by an insert uh, cleaner method here. So um, sunk costs, so you've invested so much intellectual or or financial effort into something that you think you ought to keep on going. Well, fossil fuels were great and they helped us get out of the cradle. So... I mean, you hear on the news of the mention of a thing called a barrel of oil, mm. and it's about $50, $100. It goes up and down. It varies. Yeah, that's a range over the decade or so. Um, and the amount of energy in a barrel of oil is the energy of you and me working eight hours a day, five days a week for a year. So for a barrel, for, for one or two dollars, a week, you can buy all of my your labour and my labour, sweating out there in the sun, digging ditches. That's a huge amount of energy. So they were great things when they came out because with the fishing industry, that just revolutionised stuff. There's a book about this which has broken my heart because we end up going, in his book, they look at the fishing industry going back before the fossil fuels. You know about herring, mm-hmm. little fish? Yeah. Mate, used to be as long as your arm. Really? Yeah. Uh, and, and all the, 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 the drawings we have of the fish markets back in the 14, 15, 1600s, huge fish. Because you could only go out when, to chase the fish when the tides and the wind were with you. 
And then if there was this big mofo fish, well, basically there was some big muscly guy like you who pumps out every day, tying himself to a mast with a belt, and you just pull that bloody fish in. <laughs> you, personally, yeah. you pull in that one fish. But when you get fossil fuels, you've got the steam engine, and you just let the coal burn and the net go, and then suddenly we had the ability to literally fish the oceans dry in mm. the sense that we've destroyed 14 of the 17 major fisheries, uh, which is totally impossible So that, that we thought, but, but it wasn't. So coal was good for us in getting to a stage where we could get over the hump to get a larger, healthier population so we could get science to discover things like clean drinking water is good for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that in Bali. If you go into Bali and go out in the blocks, out in the back, um, and you visit somebody in a village, and they might have their brother or sister in the next village downstream, and they will defecate into the river and not think that they're harming their brother or sister downstream. We know that it's bad, mm. right? They don't. And so getting all of this knowledge, coal helped us there. It helped us get out of the cradle. Mm -hmm. But now we are adults and we must leave the cradle and coal is of the past and we should go to the new things, the new energy sources. Um, and there were, we, we can get anywhere we want on the planet. We can run the whole planet uh, entirely on renewables. Um, we, for transport, that's about 15% of our carbon emissions. Most of that can be done with batteries. Aeroplanes, easy. Get the excess energy from electricity, split water into hydrogen, and then we have the huge aeroplanes like the Jumbo and the A380 with huge tanks full of hydrogen. Hydrogen is, has a low energy density per kilogram. You need volumes of it. Mm -hmm. And so you just have an aeroplane which is one quarter fuel. Right. And then, because the battery's not going to lift 600 people off the ground no. with our current technology. And so just burn hydrogen. And then genetics to engineer the cattle and the livestock. Now, livestock, on one hand, it was great. It helped our brains get bigger. Being a meat eater is good. But there are advantages to being a vegetarian and a better health outfits. But, I mean, you just get your lump of meat there and you heat up until it changes colour and blow me down, you've got every single amino acid you want in the right ratios. And you can do the same thing with grains and the legumes and the seeds, but it's so much harder. And my wife and I, I, I was a vegetarian for a while, and one of our daughters uh, went vegetarian, and we were very happy to support her. And even though we were both trained as medical doctors, she went iron deficient. Uh -huh. That's how hard it is to get a healthy diet, and you don't get your B12. But the, So the point is that meat today is kind of a disaster. It occupies one half of all the arable land um, and it eats one half of the food on the way through uh, and we can find ways around that uh, but in the short term we can genetically engineer the livestock to not put out so many uh, greenhouse mm. emissions and we can fix all these things. I read something the other day that if you throw a little bit of this particular kind of seaweed in a cow's feed ah. it uh, reduces the methane output by up to 90%. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but then that, that's probably in a laboratory study, and then you've got to do it all over the place. For Is that an old school phone? So somewhere there's an energy coming down or a telephone exchange rattling a little uh, <laughs> solenoid that's ringing a bell? Mate, it's an Erica phone. 
Do you, see, you remember the old Erica phones? They're looking up on Wikipedia, E-R-I-C-O-P-H-O-N-E. We're going to walk away from the microphone for a second and you will come back and tell them how much you love it. Oh, here we go. Hang on a sec. I think I used to have one of these. Hang on. There it is. <laughs> this is what I was describing the coffee machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, With it, the rotary dial on the bottom. Yeah, so you, you, you've got this thing that is sort of vaguely curved like a kind of banana. Yeah. And all you can see is that it's got a wide base and it's at the top of the banana there's a place where you can Someone really wants to you. That's all right. I want you more. And, oh. and there's somewhere where you can listen and you think, where the hell do I dial? And then you pick it up and in the bottom of the base yeah. is the dialing thing. And the best thing about it yeah. is you can show it to your nieces and nephews and you say, when I was a boy, yeah. you'd put your finger in the hole where the number is and you dial, you put three and you move your finger. And they go, is that how you dial? Yeah. How do you work it? And okay, so I managed to get one of those. I had to change the electronics and change it from analog to digital because the system requires pulses rather than the yeah. old system, but it actually works. And the quality is really good because they had a decent sized speaker. So that phone is half a century old and still working. It's a work of art. But isn't that extraordinary that in our – this is the other thing of a – when you talked about the three beacons of hope, one of the other things – and I can get sad that, you know, a, a, you know, someone who reckons that climate change was invented by the Chinese to destroy America's manufacturing <laughs> base is now in the power of uh, the United States government, economy, war machine, etc. Mm-hmm. In my lifetime, yeah. the way we spoke to each other, if I was going to call you, I would pick up – uh, a, a receiver at my end in Brisbane and my finger would go, the first let, number is zero because I've got to dial Sydney yeah. and it would go, it would, I'd roll the spring wound mechanism. Through and, 270 degrees of a circle. And it would go back and click 10 times. Tick, 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 all right? That signal would go down to the exchange up the road from me in Tawong and a copper hook on a, uh, on a it looks kind of like a, a ruler a school ruler that was a very long staircase, yeah. all right, very long steps. A copper hook would then go back uh, as if it was going upstairs to downstairs, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, nine, ten. And then the next hook would get the second number, which is two. One, two ticks would come down the line, tick, tick, and in the step exchange, it would go one, two. And it would assemble the number and then send that signal all the way to New South Wales where the reverse would happen on the other end and then your phone would ring. And this happened in my lifetime. Oh, but even more, if you wanted to ring overseas, <laughs> you'd have to ring a special number and then a human operator would say, hmm, Osha, huh, you want to ring America? Okay, I'll see what we can do. And then they would talk to an operator in Los Angeles <laughs> and they'd say, look, can you connect me through to New York? Yeah, okay, hang on. No, the lines are clear. Yeah, okay. And then it'd be, you'd hear these people along the way uh, actually talking and, in fact, at the other end now, we are in the first generation that can say the following sentence, and here it comes. I lost my phone. <laughs> How can you lose your phone in the old days? It was sitting bolted to the wall by a wire. It's stuck to the wall. What do you mean? You've, a phone that you walk around without a wire? And, and the technology is going to change so much, like with regard to dark matter and dark energy. Yes. Right now, with our best telescopes going all the way from visible light and then going one way through ultraviolet, X-ray, gamma ray, going the other way into infrared, microwave, radio, blah, 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 blah. All we can see is 4% of the universe. Another 20-something percent of the universe is dark matter. We're very sure of that. No idea what it is. Another 70% of the universe is dark energy. Very sure of that. No idea what it is. And yet, some of the people living today could, and listening to this could be the people who say, oh, 
I can see how we can use that to insert use here, have a hoverboard mm. or, or whatever. And these unknowable things to us today will be for them commonplace. Mm. And this is a thing, This is if, if I was to add one beacon of hope to you, mm. it would be we don't know what we don't know. Yes. And that Big it up for Rumsfeld. He was dead right on that one. He was one. dead right on that one. But we don't know what we don't know. And we, we cannot possibly predict. I mean, you and I are sitting here, and I like to say this a bit. In my career, to do what we're doing, mm. we would have needed a multi-million dollar broadcast facility, tape machines that would have cost in the tens of thousands of dollars, and then to try and distribute it to the amount of people that listen to this podcast, the most ridiculous mail-order cassette tape duplicating machine ever. It would be of the order of many, many millions of dollars. Truly, to do this kind of broadcasting. In a, in, in, and to do it, in, but then to do it in the time interval, you'd have to bring it up by another factor of 10 because you'd have to have couriers in every city. So John in Ipswich wants to listen or Joanna in Cairns wants to listen. Right, we've got the courier right there. Yeah. And you'd have to have them on standby Not to mention the, the playback facility at the other end. Oh, my God. All right. But here we are with these two microphones and this recorder and these cables and these stands is probably just a little over $500 worth of stuff. In the old days, you're looking at tens of thousands yeah. and much higher. Yeah. Mixing, yeah. So, or in the old days. But within my hard. career, this has happened. So what will happen in the next 5, 10, 20 years really, really does does excite me. Well, people still love each other and be confused and yeah. have the first tremulous kiss and go on dates. They're, they're sort of thinking, I want to really kiss him or her, but do they want to kiss me? And they're sort of they're sort of inching towards each other, so they're sort of vibrating in this sort of high energy state. Uh-huh. Maybe tremulous is not the right word. Okay, I don't think it is even a word. Oh, that's it's good. I like it. Yeah, it should be a word, but it isn't at the moment. We can make well. That, that, well, I, I help bring a word into you existence. Did. Selfie. The selfie. So, so maybe somebody will bring a word in for the audience. Let's well, make I've, it tried to, I've tried to come off of your thing, and uh, in fact, I'm asking my listeners to what yeah. they what they do is they send me a podsy. A podsy. A podsy is using the phone that you're listening to the podcast on yeah. and taking a photograph of where you're listening to it and oh. then sending it to me, P-O-D-S-I-E. Oh. And so I've, I've, I've tried to emulate you and people send me photographs. I got this photograph the other day from Venice in Italy. Someone was oh. listening to where they were showing me where they were listening to in Venice. I've been listening to in, in Sweden, in New Zealand, uh, people doing their laundry, oh. doing their dishes. They used to have this for a magazine I used to write for called The Medical Observer. Yeah. Uh, sort of a soft magazine for doctors and people would send in a photograph of where they were reading it. Oh, yeah. In the desert, in the mountains, in the Arctic, whatever. The Dead Sea, the classic. Yeah. I'm so, sitting on top of the water in the yeah. Dead Sea reading a book. So this would be – so this is called – so I, I think I might follow your example and on my new podcast, um, Shirtloads of Science, I will ask them to send in a podsy and then – can you send me the details so that way I can reference you of as course. being the per- – now, hang on, here's a question for you. The OED, the Oxford English Dictionary. Yes. They want to know where the word was first written down. Written, paper, internet, whatever, it doesn't matter, but when it was written as opposed to spoken. Have you written this word down anywhere? Oh, yeah, on an Instagram post when I retweeted it. Okay, so long as it's somewhere that can be referenced by the OED, you could become the nursemaid, the midwife of that word. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> They're pretty fantastic. They're Potsy. pretty fantastic. Last, yeah. time we, last time we spoke, uh, it was about three years ago, actually. Three years ago, so much has changed. Hasn't it? Yeah. I have since come into an entirely new way of being. Um, I've been through, uh, but last time I saw you, I got very sick. I, I went through some psychosis, which was no fun. And, then oh, I came out the other. and by the way, for people in the audience, number one, in America, 
6% of the population do not accept that there are mental disorders that are in some currently unknown way related to stuff inside your skull, whether it's biochemical, electrical or, or a lump, and they think you're just being weak or you've been possessed by the devil. Uh-huh. And on average, your chance of suddenly getting a psychosis or the like is roughly equal to your chance of waking up one morning and having appendicitis. Ah. So it can just come out of anywhere. We're all liable. Mine was uh, mine, mine was a little a little while in coming. I, yeah. It was a bit of a wind up. I'd been off meds for a little while because I was actually doing quite well, and in um, a combination of factors, uh, actually, uh, it was after speaking with you and then a few other things. I was uh, my brain was connecting. I didn't all make kinds you unhappy, did no, no, I? No, no, depressed? no, no, no. It's totally oh, fine. Okay. It's totally fine because I was actually investigating a lot of these things. Um, but I went. Uh, I started experiencing what's called paranoid delusions. Which ah, is very, very, very scary. Scared the heck out of when me. You, when the thing, the input, like sitting here in your beautiful kitchen and your beautiful living room table, a beautiful table, you can probably sit 12 people here and have a magnificent dinner party. It's 120 years old. It's made of river red gum. Okay. So no sitting here as, I, as, I, it here, as I feel the table under my skin is telling me that this is wood, or slightly oiled wood. Uh, I'm looking at you. There's a blue wall there. The very same sensory input was being distorted and my brain was telling me that it was something else. And that was very, very frightening when my ability to perceive reality uh, was busted. Uh, and so I, I came out the other side and uh, so that's happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm on like the fifth different medication that I've been on now and things are starting to And it's to really crude. Right uh, here's a slight med- med- message of hope for you. At the moment, we've just had a seven Tesla, that's the strength of a magnetic field as well as a motor vehicle, seven Tesla, which is huge, MRI scanner. And as a result, we can now scan down to half a millimetre or 500 microns in the brain. We need to get 100 times better Mm. from 500 microns. A hair is 50 microns down to 5 microns, roughly the diameter of a red blood cell. And then we can start saying, oh, look at your brain. Those cells are doing this. Oh, wow. Right. but, But we're at 500 and we got so further down the line for anybody who's ever had any problems, we, we will get closer to turning yeah. psychiatry into a better science. We're not there yet. We're, we're doing the best we can, and there's hope on the well, horizon. What blew, what blew me away is that, particularly when I was experiencing, uh, you know, uh, the, the actual delusions themselves and the, the, uh, the psychosis kind of came and went for periods of up to sometimes a whole day, sometimes a half a day, sometimes wow. just like, you know, five, 10 minutes here and there. Um, I would pop in and out of it. That didn't last for maybe about six weeks or eight weeks. Um, but there was one medication that I went on, an antipsychotic that I went on, and um, the, 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 the size of the pill, he, well, doctor says, <laughs> the doctor said, okay, so take an eighth of this. An eighth? Take an eighth of this what, pill. What, did you chop it with a knife or something? Yes, I had to get a what? razor blade and I had to cut it into an eighth and I took essentially what was like the size of a grain of sand, I put it on my tongue within 20 minutes. Things were gone, and it just blew my mind. Literally, blew my mind that we've discovered a way to use such a introduce a chemical of such a tiny, tiny amount of this particular thing in my body. I don't want to drink water; I drink a liter at a time. And here I am taking this itty bitty bitty thing, and it had such a profound effect upon my brain. Well, the numbers are like this: like arsenic and antibiotics can both have a profound effect on you in a ratio of one ten-thousandth of your body weight. LSD, one millionth of your body weight. Wow. So 
when people say, oh, the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is, uh, is only a fraction of a percent, mate, you, you can change with the right thing at the right time can have good or bad yeah. effects. So this actually helped you? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I'm on like the – I've had to change meds a few times, as you know, as a doctor. It's a, it's a large – Well, I used to be. I've only been on airplanes now. I, I had my once-a-year airplane thing on the way back from London last time. Is there a doctor on board? Yeah. yeah it could happen once every 11,000 passenger flights. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I haven't had one for 2016. And on the way from Singapore to Sydney, I had it. Well, they, I'm sure they're glad it was you. Uh, but as a doctor, you would know that it's a, it's a – when you get into psychiatric medication, yeah. it's just basically benefits to side effects. Yeah. That's your kind of All balance. drugs are poisons. Yes. What matters is and the dose. So I'm on the fifth one that I've tried now and it's actually, we're, we're getting there. Wow. It's actually quite, but there's a long way to get to this part. Since I've seen you last, yeah. I've become a step-parent. You're a step-parent? I'm a step-parent. So how old is this child? She is 12. 12, she so was she can... Nearly 13. Oh, okay. So she can talk and feed herself. Yes. Um... They because you've uh, got a, you've got a few um, offspring. Yeah, you've, you've bred quite substantially. Yeah, I've got three, one of each sex. Um, <laughs> and so my, my daughter Alice, I'm very proud of her. She got yeah, she got first class honours in design, and so did my son as well, little Carl. And my other daughter Lola, she's just finished at uh, the HSC, so she has she's going, but she's wonderful. They're so wonderful. Um, it's a really it's it's yeah. So twelve is a, a kind of a messy age up to about yeah ten. They just love you to pieces. And then after that... I arrive right after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, look, look. Um, they're, they're, they're good kids. There's lots going on. You just sort of go with the flow. And the thing is you're you going to find that there are a whole new set of faults that you have that neither your partner your, nor you nor your family knew, but your stepdaughter, and I'll let me emphasise this accurately, has found... And it's something that really annoys her. And even though nobody has ever commented on it, she's right, you're wrong, and you will be a better person for it. And at the end of it, so will she. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, what, I, what I was not prepared for was the absolute sheer joy. And I, I guess I've got to thank the, the, the thing within my genetics that has, you know, uh, predestined me to want to care for and nurture other humans uh, Nothing makes me happier than hanging out with her and her mum. Oh, well, you see, you and I, and here's something I wrote about in my 34th book, you, are, you and I are in the 99 and 98%. 1% of males and 2% of females have, strong, have varying psychopathic tendencies mm -hmm. where they don't give a stuff about anybody or anything except themselves, and they're basically kept in line by the rule of law. Ah. You, they're not necessarily evil. Where they end up with depends on, to a large degree, their conditioning, their upbringing, and their intelligence and their tendency to violence. So, if, for example, you're really smart and really violent, you might go into the military, the cops, the SAS, the uh, state emergency services, where you can channel your forces for good. And if you're really smart with the ten psychopathic tendencies and not violent, CEO of a big company, you know what we're talking about. Surgeons. Surgeons do have some of it. And that's what I liked about working in the kids' hospital, that they were forced by the kids to be nice. It was pretty winnowing. <laughs> like, like the kids were absolutely brutal, the parents. So an adult, having had surgery from somebody, will be polite. A kid will just say, 
you stink and you're rude. <laughs> so what about, what can you tell me from your, your way of looking at the world? Mm-hmm. What, what, she started to want to go to parties where there are boys. Mm-hmm. What, what have you got for me? What, what do I need to know? Uh, go with the flow. Be ready to listen. Ah, know about her friends by asking about her life and becoming part of her life, bearing in mind that at some stage, almost certainly, it'll turn into, why are you snooping and not wanting to know about me? But become part of her life and do apparently meaningless things like go for a swim or kick a ball or go for a walk because you get that physical bonding which works with or the, the the emotional bonding yeah. and then just go with the flow um when i think back to what i did and the mistakes i made and all of the, and how rude i was to my parents i am grateful that my kids have been better to me than i was to my parents <laughs> It's an, ex- it's an extraordinarily rewarding thing and my heart, I think, exploded the other night. I went to go pick her up from dancing and uh, it was raining and uh-huh. I had to pick her up. She was rehearsing for one of the, like a show, so they're in a theatre and all the kids were congregated under the, the awning uh-huh. and I walked through and I went to go get her and the dancing teacher said, which one do you want? I said, oh, Gigi, over there. And um, I didn't have my hearing aids in so I couldn't hear what all the kids were saying. Ah, And I just saw a lot of faces and smiling faces. And then Gigi came uh, and we got in the car and Gigi was laughing and uh, her mum said, why are you laughing? Said all the kids were like, oh, my God, it's Osha from The Bachelor. Is he your dad? And she said, yeah. (laughs) And my heart pretty much burst. But I was driving so she didn't see the joy in my face. Uh, (laughs) uh, But then on the other hand, everything that they don't like about that show and you and where you might have favoured one person more than the other, even though you didn't think you didn't, in reality you didn't, if they perceive it, then it makes you bad. Yes. Uh, but, oh, wow. But that she, in front of kids, would identify, oh, yeah, that's him. Oh. You, know, he, you know, it was a really wonderful moment, Carl. Oh, sweet. It was really lovely. Oh, isn't it nice when they love you and you love them? <laughs> well, I, I, it might not ever happen again, so I'm taking it. Um, no, they're, they're wonderful and you've got a chance to help make their life yeah. Better. That, that was one thing I learned by working with Fred Hollows um, when I designed and built a machine for him to pick up electrical signals off the human eyeball to diagnose certain types of diseases. If you can create a little island of happiness and make it a bit bigger, you've done a good thing. Your work is done. That's it. And is that the sort of thing, as we'll get out on this, is that the sort of thing that you would recommend people do if they're kind of disheartened by, for example, what's going on in America? Um, Just do your little bit with your little island of happiness? And the pendulum swings. Remember this, the pendulum swings and bad things have happened in the past and they will happen in the future. But overall, we can fix climate change, kids are smarter and we are living in the most peaceful time ever. And this is the trend that is we are heading for and we're going for and just go with the flow. And it's bumpy like climate change. Like the, climate, the climate is such a complex system that you need 17 years to see what's going. So you can't say, well, last year was the hottest or coldest year ever on record, and therefore, no, you, you need 17 years of trend. So the same thing here. Just go with the flow and, well, I don't know, like, like life is weird. Like having been a doctor, I, I, I've seen both ends of it. Like yeah. I've been there when people have been born and I've helped people through diseases and I've been there when people died. And basically, we all pretty well end up dead, except for the immortality that will happen with genetic engineering. That's another story for another time. Getting back to this, 
you're born, you live, you die, what matters is the ride. You've got to have a really nice ride. And if you can make other people happier and more enlightened, like my, my joy is when I'm shopping in the supermarket and somebody says, hi, Dr. Carl, I've been listening to you on the radio. And as a result, I've gone to study being a chippy or I'm a sparky or I finished my nursing degree or I've decided to go back to school or something where they change their life and use their brain and I have no idea what it is answering questions on the radio that makes them think I can have a better life by using my brain in this way and that that fills me with such joy I'm so lucky that I can help make people's lives better. So good mate thank you so much for having me in your home today. Oh shucks thank you Dr. Usher. (laughs) I'm going to take your photo real quick okay. Okay using the uh, Polaroid process developed by Dr. Edwin Land. Mr. Edwin Land? That's not the... Which one is that? That is an original Polaroid 110A that I've had customised. 110A? Yeah. It's oh, so it's, so it's a view camera? Yeah. Uh, oh. Not exactly a view well, camera. Well, not, not, not view, but you've got a extending have, bellows. Yes, bellows camera. And, and what's the lens? Uh, it's a 127mm Rodenstock lens. Rodenstock, they were good. And what is it, F2.8 uh, or 5? No, 4.7. 4.7 wide. But because of the... Uh, the, the distance between the lens and the focal plane, it's a very different kind of uh, effect. The, uh, the plane at the depth of field is incredibly narrow for... Well, you're a long lens. Uh, yes. Because so, so, like but big, but it's, it's a big film as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah the film is huge. Mm. Uh, it's instant. I should actually put a new... Uh, yeah, I need to re- reload. Do they, is that the one where the battery exists... No. ..in the cartridge? No, or? that's the SX-70. Yeah, that, that was a very clever thing they did. He was essentially the Apple. He, Steve Jobs modelled modelled himself on Edwin Land. Oh, and also they stole so much stuff from Bayer. <laughs> Have a look at the exhibition that they've got now in the Bayer power. Pharmaceuticals. But B Y R Electronics. Oh, really? Yeah, they Have stole the so much stuff at the Powerhouse Museum. Oh. They stole so much shit from Bayer. The design of their early iPods and the their computers. Oh, Apple. Apple. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. So you can still buy the film? Who's making it? No, Fuji? The, the Fuji have just discontinued what? the film. Oh, yeah. God, no. I know. So what I did was I, I got my brother in who lives in Shanghai, speaking of the future, um, I got my brother who lives in the future in Shanghai. I've been on that train. Uh, yeah, it's like he said apparently, he goes, oh, no, 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 the, the Blade Runner is here and I live there. Yeah. Um, I got him to go down to his local camera shop and buy Everything. every piece of stock. And so I won't say how much. But I'll, you've got enough to get you going for a couple of years? Yeah. There's about another 100 episodes of this podcast of film that I can do because I shoot two every, every podcast. So you'd probably store it at low temperature or in a fridge? Uh, ideally, I should store it in a fridge. Yeah. Um, but I, I, at the moment, I just store it uh, in a cupboard. Yeah, so at the bottom of the cupboard, low down, yeah. so it's got minimum temperature change. Yes, precisely. Yeah. yeah. The fridge is... But thankfully, the colour variance is something that is a, a quality that people don't mind in a Polaroid okay. exposure. Wow. What yeah. a love. And so you've had that all fixed up, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I took your photo with it last time, but that was a... Wow. Was is that your focus? Yes. So we focus, as, as you do, by, by pulling the lens in and out. Isn't that a lovely yeah. design? That's it. Well, that's the So original. do you focus now by standing somewhere and then you do the focus? Yes, thing? it's a range finder, you see. So oh, it's a t- range with the, Im- finder. the images that... Yep, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! What a classy camera that is! Oh, it's got a cracker. I can give you the website of the guy that built it. He's oh. he's he's done a new version that does for for the Fuji film, uh, Instax wide. So there is another. Yeah, there's film. a tiny one though, aren't they? They actually make a bigger one now. Oh, good. Yeah. So we'll still keep chemical film going. Okay, let's yeah. get this okay, going. That was 
an exclusive episode with Dr. Carl. You can get more exclusive episodes because podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make uh, by simply going to patreon.com slash osher, O-S-H-E-R. And for as little as five bucks a month, that'll get you in the uh, exclusive feed. All right. Hey, um, I've got to go because I still haven't finished organizing the wedding and I've got heaps of shit to do. Um, but the next time we speak, I'll be married. And I'm real excited about it. Yeah, I really am. It's going to be a good one. I hope you're having a good time. I hope you're relax- relaxing. And I hope, you know, as much as I love you, turn your phone off. Come in a month when you come back, tell me tell me what you've been doing rather than tell me every 10 minutes what you're doing. It'll give us time to talk. It'll be good. We'll love it. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Love you to pieces. Till we talk next time, sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.